and welcome to La Petite Mortisode number 16, Support. This is the Life, Death, and Tarot podcast. You haven't heard my voice for a few weeks. I think it's been about six weeks. We had a break, and I'm so excited to be back, to be back in your ears, to be back on your phones, to be with you in your cars as you guys head off to work. I've really missed the routine of the episode going out and me getting to post about it online and then getting feedback from you guys. That has left a huge hole in my life over the last six weeks or so. So before we sort of jump into this Mortisode, my 16th one that is all about support, and I'll elaborate on this a little bit more later on in the episode, but the last six weeks have been rough. They have been really intense. I went to the emergency room because I had a huge cut on my arm. I had to get seven stitches. I have had death happen in my real life, and I'm also writing a book about death. And then Victor and I, Victor is my husband, and he also produces the podcast. We basically almost died like two weeks ago, less than two weeks ago. We were in a hit-and-run accident on our scooter and the other car left us there in the intersection. I really don't know how we walked away. We are both okay. Not a broken bone to be found. Um, Definitely some bumps and bruises. My face got jacked up, a black eye, swollen chin. I have to get dental work done because uh, several of my teeth got chipped. Glass is broken. (laughs) Luckily, it was all surface level, but let me tell you what is real difficult. Talking and publishing content and sharing content about death and dying when death and dying is occurring in your own life. So here we are, six-week break. I would say it was definitely well-deserved, and I am so happy to be back with you again. Today's Mortisode is about support. How to support people going through a loss of any kind, death or not, and what things often don't feel supportive. I want to give you something to think about in your own lives, and I want to challenge you to consider whether or not you're satisfied with the type of supporter you are in your own community. It's hard to be there for others when they're going through a death but also just anything tough, like a divorce or a job loss, or in my case, an accident, or a couple accidents and some deaths, also in my case. A shadow loss is any time there's a loss of some kind and that doesn't mean there's a dead body involved. A shadow loss darkens your life for a while, but eventually it lightens, just like a real storm in real life. Is there not beauty in a thunderstorm, though? Shadow losses are things like finding out you're infertile or getting a divorce, your best friend ghosting you, or your child deciding to live with the other parent and not you. Let me give you another shadow loss example. I now have two prominent scars on my body that I have collected over the last just six weeks. One on the side of my left arm that's about two inches long. It is very deep. It is red. And my skin on my arm doesn't line up smoothly like where the scar is formed and one part of it bumps up higher than the other. And then my other scar is over my right eyebrow and that is about an inch long. Now, the one on my face 
luckily hasn't really bothered me too much, but getting a facial scar can be really, really hard for people. Now, that said, I don't like it. Not a fan of having a scar on my freaking face. Um, It's odd now because people ask me, how'd you get that scar? And that is not something that has ever happened to me before. It's really weird. It's weird to have a thing on your face that people are like curious about. So when it comes to support, shadow losses can almost be harder to support others through because we tend to be like, well, it's not like somebody died. Um, there's, There's no funeral or anything. And most of us tend to minimize things. When there's a funeral, that's a socially accepted event that everybody understands and nobody questions the gravity of what happened. When your child, for example, decides to live with the other parent full time and you're left reeling from the loss, there is no funeral for you to go to, but you probably feel like something died. That's called disenfranchised grief. um, And I do have a Mortisode that is specifically about disenfranchised grief. That is Mortisode number five. Grief becomes disenfranchised when society says you shouldn't be that sad about it. Sort of like the scar on my face. If I was really devastated by that, and let me tell you, facial scarring can really, really, really cause a lot of emotional pain to people. If it was really devastating me, I guarantee you I'd be met with comments from people that would be like, well, it's not that big, or it's not like you died, or it could be worse. And in the vein of support, those comments are not supportive. Here is an example of comments that would be, oh, I see you suffering and I'm here for you. Or I see how hard this is for you, and I'm here for you. Or, what have other people done for you that has helped as you've dealt with this? Or, I'm so sorry this happened to you. I am here for you, just as you are. When people are facing a shadow loss, the way to help isn't usually to try to fix it. It's to sit with it. It's to hold it. It's to look it straight in the eye and to be like, you're a mess and I see you being a mess and I'm here for you and I'm comfortable with it. That's why it can feel really, really good to hear somebody tell you, I'm here for you or this is terrible and I'm not leaving you. Um, I am here for you, scars and all. Regarding my scar, at the moment, I am processing the loss of my (laughs) formerly unremarkable but still wonderful forehead with uh, things like uh, Frankenstein jokes because we're a few weeks out from Halloween and I am now finding a way to enjoy that the phrase scar face is technically an appropriate descriptor for me. (laughs) But not all people process stuff like that in the same way so I want to encourage you to be careful anytime you find yourself making an assumption about what somebody dealing with a loss needs or what somebody might feel because what you need or how you might feel about something is probably not how somebody else is or does okay so how to support people when somebody steps up during a shadow loss then it is often magnified for the recipient Many people say that those who stepped up during their shadow losses had a bigger, more meaningful impact in their healing than when people stepped up during a death. You see, death is easy in this regard. 
being alive but damaged in some unexpected way is is harder. Are you with me? And having recently gone through this myself, I can 100% confirm. Anyone that did anything, literally I keep trying to find their capes because they seem like superheroes to me. And what I'm referring to is in the last eight days, um, just people who actually did things for my husband and I, it's just like, wow, so magnified. And I just cannot believe these people showed my husband and I so much kindness. So why is it so hard to step up um, for people that are dealing with a shadow loss? First of all, we are judgy people. Eight days ago, from the time of this recording, my husband and I were in a hit-and-run scooter accident. We both had helmets on. We were not at fault. Our feet were covered. I was wearing um, leathers, like, on myself. Um, And we were probably going, like, 20 miles an hour. We were proceeding through an intersection, and there was a car in front of us opposite, across the intersection, in the left turn lane. They were going to turn out in front of us to get on the highway. As we approached, they decided to gun it from being stationary um, to try to, I guess, beat us instead of waiting two seconds until we completed going through the intersection. Um, Well, they failed, and my husband and I were left in the intersection as they sped off and drove away. I have... In the last week, had to go to the eye doctor, get new glasses, get my eyes checked out. Um, I have to get a bunch of dental work done because some of my teeth are not complete anymore. <laughs> I have a horrific black eye. I have a huge scar over my eyebrow. I've got huge bruises on my chest, on my hips. I've got a little bit of road rash. Uh, my husband is Victor in a ton of pain. His ribs are messed up. He has worse road rash and he has um, a chunk of his ankle lost to road rash that is apparently going to take like weeks and weeks to heal because of the way the skin is down there. So after the scooter accident happened, you know what one of my first fears was? I was afraid I was just kind of like bracing myself, waiting for somebody to comment, well, you knew this would happen the second you bought a scooter. And the thing is, judgments like that prevent us from intimacy with others. And in my case, that scooter, my little buddy scooter that I love, was, is way more than transportation to me. Um, When I bought that scooter, let's see... 15 months ago, that scooter purchase was me regaining some of my freedom. Let me elaborate. Four years ago, I was assaulted and I reported and charges were filed. And once charges were filed, I couldn't like unfile them. Um, And because like the state that I live in, so after you file charges, it like leaves your hands as the victim and then it becomes the state of wherever you live versus your assaulter. 
So I was actually warned by law enforcement that I should not file charges because I would probably be harassed and possibly hurt by people as a result. Um, I felt it was a responsibility to my community to report what happened. Um, And I'm sad to say that they were right. Uh, My husband and I endured dozens. Um, I have like this list. It's about 100 separate acts of intimidation and harassment by my assaulter and a small group of people that were acting on his behalf. Um, His wife even moved next door, right next door to keep an eye on us and to essentially further the harassment. You see, it was illegal for my assaulter to come onto our block, but it was not illegal for her. So many times I would be out walking in my neighborhood and all of a sudden there would be a car accelerating towards me. Unsurprisingly, I ended up with post-traumatic stress disorder, a.k.a. PTSD, um, and I had to eventually stop going on walks. I also stopped driving. Um, My brain was so overwhelmed, um, and it was just sort of too much trauma to process that it morphed for me into a major fear of driving. Um, Anybody who has anxiety issues or post-traumatic stress disorder specifically, sometimes issues that you deal with kind of erupt in a way that maybe doesn't make total sense, but it's what doesn't make sense is the cruelty of others and trying to, in your brain, trying to understand that. So three years later, I realized that I found a way that I thought I could drive again, um, and it was a scooter in this beautiful red buddy scooter popped up on Facebook marketplace and I bought it it's used and my first time ever driving that scooter was immediately after I already bought it (laughs) so I learned right there in the parking lot of a grocery store north of Cincinnati I felt so safe on that scooter and I could get myself around my head Um, would be covered with a helmet. Um, And if you've ever seen a picture of me, I have a distinct haircut, um, so I'm really easy to spot. But when I'm on my scooter, I have a helmet, and so I'm not as easy to spot. And that gave me um, a great sense of protection um, in a way. And I also felt safer on my scooter because I could dart away quicker, like through traffic or go around a car if I needed to, if my assaulter or somebody was trying to harass me. So I started to get my life back So for me, that scooter was not a stupid choice to get into an accident um, and certainly not a stupid choice somebody makes to get into an accident that they deserve for choosing to drive a scooter or a motorcycle or whatever. That scooter allowed me to reclaim the freedom that I had lost. So judgments on other people's shadow losses prevent us from forming deeper, more meaningful connections with others. And research continually shows that the more connected we are to others, the higher our day-to-day happiness levels are. I will say on the driving front, this year, 2018, I drove a car twice. I drove a car from Cincinnati up to Michigan, and then I drove a car from Cincinnati to West Virginia. So I've driven twice like a real car this year. (laughs) 
Why is it so hard to step up? First of all, we are judgy. Second, we find it hard to support people because of our own deep-seated need to survive. Confronting a loss of some kind, even if it's somebody else's accident, means that it can happen to us. It means that the world is chaotic and if and, and that we don't have as much in our own control as we think we do. That's why people have a tendency to explain away or minimize other people's losses. That's why we say things like, well, you aren't dead or uh, it could be worse, which really we're kind of saying that to ourselves. It's like, oh, well, this other person was assaulted, um, but, you know, they're okay. Um, It's sort of like this weird way that we try to tell ourselves that we have something in our own control. So. I kind of alluded to it, but here is what has been going on very briefly over my last six weeks. Um, I went to the emergency room because I got a big cut on my arm. I could see the inside of my arm (laughs) and I ended up with seven stitches. And the time leading up to that, I had like a book deadline and um, it was very stressful. Um, It's it's been a lot harder to write a book than I thought that it would be. Um, So I'm trying to just like go with that um so it was kind of like this er visit the stitches was like okay cole you need to calm it down um then i have an immediate family member who is dying then um i had a very dear friend two of my dear friends lose a child to stillbirth went in for that the next week i was in new york I was there to visit with my literary agent, which was good, and to spend a week with my best friend in the city. Um, And I also, positive note, um, will likely be bringing some of my programming to New York in in the near future, and I'm just thrilled. Then I was flown to Boston for an interview um, that will that will air in early 2019 to a Chinese audience. So if you, you know, Hong Kong, if you're Taiwanese, if you're over in China somewhere, you'll probably be seeing me pop up on TV there at some point talking about death. And then um, flying home from Boston, I got stuck overnight in Washington, D.C., which was at the height of all of the Kavanaugh stuff going on. And it was really weird to be there being someone who was also a, um, I have dealt with assault in my life. Not a fun time, a little bit stressful. And there was some weird stuff that happened in my neighborhood. My neighborhood ended up getting on this national article that appeared on like CNN and there was a picture of my house and I was like, what the heck? Then, scooter accident. So that's been just like my last six weeks. Um, It's been frustrating because there's so much stuff that I want to be working on and all this like life stuff is happening. So over the last six weeks, I have been in the role of supporter. Um, In some cases, I was a welcomed supporter. People wanted me around. They embraced being able to work on tough stuff with me, like being there to support them. Um, And there's also a time where I was kind of an unwelcome supporter where the unspoken word was like, don't talk about death, Cole. In the last 10 days, I have been the supported. Um, And I'm also not that great at being supported. You can just ask Victor. I have a really hard time letting people take care of me. I recognize that as something that I really need to work on. So here's how you can support somebody navigating a loss, shadow losses, and deaths. 
cards in the mail, drop off a food dish, drop off a bag of staples, throw a loaf of bread, get a gallon of milk, dozen eggs, coffee, maybe some fruit like bananas, um, sweet potatoes or or potatoes and something that uh, is reheatable that like freezer type stuff. You can also drop off like a support bag, um, a really helpful support bag, particularly when somebody dies because um, people will get a lot of visitors, is to fill like a brown paper grocery bag with a roll of paper towels, a tub of Clorox wipes, Windex, tissues, toilet paper, trash bags, and something like water or like a two liter of a soda or something. Because the idea is all these people are going to be popping by and it's really common for people to run out of these household basics. Also, a great thing you can do is just stop by to water plants, take out trash, scoop poop, or just cut the grass. And what's great about that is those are things that you don't necessarily have to do any prearranging. I mean, you can just pop by somebody's house and cut the grass in their front yard. Now, here are things that didn't help at all. Uh, People saying, let me know if you need anything. Um, Or it could have been worse. Or at least you aren't dead. And I do want to clarify, sometimes people are weathering their own losses, so much so that they do not have the energy or ability to do anything other than maybe just like throw a like your way on a post or just do nothing at all. Do not take any of that personally, and I err on the side of giving people the benefit of the doubt. Focus on the support that does flood your way and appreciate that. Also, some people have not had examples of anything in their lives other than support in the form of, at least you didn't die. Remember that we don't know what we don't know. And that's why you're listening to this podcast, because you want to be a better person. If you find yourself learning something here, um, or maybe seeing what you have done in the past to other people in your life that have needed support, maybe you don't like like how you were, or you were like, oh man, I could have done that better. There is nothing wrong at all with going back to people you feel like you didn't support well and acknowledge that with them. Um, I've never met somebody who didn't appreciate that. Um, and at the very least, it is a moment to meaningful, like meaningfully connect with somebody and to check in and say, hey, I remember this happened to you. I realize I kind of basically blew you off when I said it could have been worse. And I just want to let you know I realize that now and I just want to see how you're doing. Um, regarding the phrase, let me know if you need anything. Here is why this is continually cited by people as not being helpful. Um, after our accident, especially those first like four or five days, uh, gosh, making decisions was like really, really difficult. Um, Victor and I were exhausted. Making decisions about food seemed like so impossible. It took 90 minutes twice a day for me to dress Victor's wounds. Then I had to do mine because Victor was in more pain and we had to take care of the dogs. And like, Then on top of that, trying to figure out how the heck can I notify all the people in my world that I need a break? Um, (laughs) I'm just getting overwhelmed thinking about that. Um, On top of that, anytime somebody gets hurt or in an accident, I mean, Victor and I needed way more sleep than normal every single day on top of that. I mean, and exhaustion. We were just exhausted. I also kept just like bursting into tears and getting frustrated that I wasn't able to take care of Victor to like in the way that I wanted. Um, And so 
when people would be like, let me know if you need anything, that would like make me panic because it's like, oh, I need so much and I can't make the decision. And this is what happens to a lot of people who are in the midst of a crisis or in the aftermath of a loss of some kind. Um, Not having to think about food was the greatest thing ever. Um, And that's the thing about a brain in grief or a highly stressed brain or a super highly stressed brain, aka a brain in crisis. Basic stuff is really hard. So if you want to be a superhero, show up with a roll of paper towels, some toilet paper and some bananas and you're going to be well on your way. Uh, Drop stuff off to the people that you care about. Don't ask them. Just do it. Because let me tell you, if somebody ends up with 12 rolls of paper towels on their front doorstep, they will end up using those eventually. So it's not like you're ever going to harm somebody by dropping off stuff at all. Um, I also popped into the Life, Death, and Tarot Facebook group, which is at facebook.com slash groups slash life, death, tarot. And a few of you guys shared what has been supportive for you and what has not been supportive for you. Heather says, the best support I've gotten is people dropping off meals. Food speaks to me deeply and I feel cared for when I'm fed. What has been really unhelpful is unasked for advice when I'm going through a hard time. It is so much more helpful for someone to just listen and hear me without trying to solve my problems. Emily says, the best support I've ever received in times of need have been small but personal gifts or acts of service. My dad left a card and a box of chocolates on my doorstep for my first Valentine's Day post-divorce. Two co-workers came to my house unannounced to cook me dinner when my cat passed away. An acquaintance gave me a poem when I was in disenfranchised grief to let me know that I was in his thoughts. Small enough acts on their own, but concrete ways to show caring and thoughtfulness. Unhelpful things are usually around receiving unsolicited advice or when someone cannot listen without offering an opinion. When I'm in a tough spot, I usually just need to be heard and held. Shelby says, best support? I had a friend show up at my house with dinner and a new set of pajamas for each of us and said, I know life sucks right now and I can't fix it for you, but I can feed you and we can hang out in jammies and life will still suck, but you'll have a full belly and warm, comfy clothes and you won't be alone. It's the best I can do. And it was perfect. The worst, having a friend tell me I probably won't meet my soulmate since I wasted so much time being with my ex. That one still stings. Jamie says, the best support I've gotten is people being there for me without going on the emotional roller coaster with me. They check in, let me vent, or if I need to do something erratic, they come with me and make sure I'm safe. They check in to make sure I'm eating, sometimes bringing food, showering, or at least using dry shampoo. But they didn't jump on the roller coaster with me, knowing that we didn't need two of us with quote unquote motion sickness. This whole experience of the last six weeks gave me pause to consider how I've been a support in my own community. Do I take action when somebody is hurting, or do I take absence? Do you? And the thing is, this is a decision, this is like a choice, this is an opinion that you get to make. We all have different expectations of community or the role of community in our lives, and we have different needs from 
community, whatever that looks like for you. Wherever you fall on the scale here is totally fine, but I'm encouraging all of us to think about the little things you can do to feel like a mountain of support for people in your world. Victor and I would like to send our most heartfelt thanks to the following people who really took care of us over the last 10 days. To Connie, Chris, and Jillian for bringing five pints of Grater's ice cream in four large cups of my favorite kind of ice cubes. It's called Boulder Ice if you're curious and want to be enlightened. Thank you to Allie for being the biggest bitch ever and providing us with a night of food we didn't have to leave the house for or cook. Thanks to Marty and Shannon who got our scooter home from the accident. Thank you to Amanda and Nate. Amanda had a 30th birthday party that Victor and I were at. We subsequently ruined her party by getting into said scooter accident on the way home. She picked us up took us home all bloody, and then took care of my two beagles while Victor and I took turns cry showering. We'd like to thank my best friend Ashley for staying the night to make sure we didn't die and keeping us calm. She also brought me a cappuccino the next morning after the accident and then made us an egg casserole that we could reheat easily. She even put instructions on a post-it note, which actually legit thank you because that removed having to remember anything. She brought me an aloe vera plant too. And to Adam, who sent us Gatorades and came to visit. Thanks to Pam and John, who made us two kinds of homemade soup and a delicious chicken and sweet potato hash. Pam even put little chopped up chives in a separate container for garnishes. Thank you to Left Bank Coffee House for the caffeine support. To Leah and Justin for setting up cocktails for us at one of our favorite local bars. And to Jeannie and Michael for dropping off a bag of medical supplies. This bag had band-aids, gauze, hydrogen peroxide in it. Um, I think they also threw in a chicken, raspberries, and bananas. And finally, thank you to all of you wonderful people who took time out to directly text or message me. That meant so much to me, and it really let me know that you care about me and you're thinking about me, which in reality made me realize how much I care about you. That's, that's the magic of a shadow loss. If you work to weather the storm, you will come out seeing everything a little greener, everything hydrated, and perhaps looking a little better than before. So thanks for being a support. Check the episode blog post for today's Mortisode for the summary of what not to do, what to do. Um, and I also posted a gnarly pic of my black eye if you're into that. Um, I'd also like to remind you to please take a moment to review this podcast. Your reviews result in people finding us and deciding to listen to specific episodes. Also, if you want to share about this podcast on Instagram and tag at LifeDeathTarot or me at Imperi, and I will definitely repost that and be super grateful. It is really cool to see you guys sharing um, this podcast online. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Life Death Tarot. 
Um, and I do have two upcoming talks to tell you about if you want to see me in real life. Um, in Cincinnati, um, I will be speaking for a fun evening with Molly Wellman at 6 p.m. at the Mercantile Library. The talk is called Two-Spirited Women, and it is on October 24th. Um, then I'm doing another TED Talk in November on November 9th here in Cincinnati, and that TED Talk will be on shadow loss. I also want to tell you or remind you about um, Tarot by Mail. So for $10, you can receive in your mailbox three actual tarot cards from the Rider Waite tarot deck. Um, you'll get a mat, um, a sticker, a Life Death Tarot sticker, the three tarot cards, and a Life Death Tarot like trading card. And then you open the envelope and you can give yourself a past, present, future reading. And then you can post it in the Life Death Tarot group to share how you interpret it, what you think it means, and then get feedback from other people. Um, that's a really cool thing to watch you guys do. Um, I also marked all of the remaining tarot earrings down. I think they're $9, and you can use the code tarot for free shipping on top of that. Um, those will make a fun little gift for anybody in your life that is into symbolism. Um, we have earrings that are in the shape of moons and each of the four suits in a tarot deck, cups, wands, swords, and pentacles. And then um, I believe I have some hands that are left because the hands show up in tarot decks regularly. In addition, there's another group that you can join that is not active quite yet, but will be very soon. I have a second podcast uh, called The American Thanatologist that is all thanatology all the time that will be coming out soon. Um, and the Facebook group is already there. I'm going to be setting up a little fun certification for anybody that's interested in thanatology there. It is not up. It is not out and ready, but you are welcome to join that group. Um, the group is attached to the American Thanatologist Facebook. Facebook page, and I will link it in the episode notes. Okay, that was our episode. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, I hope you learned something, and I encourage you to think about all the ways, all the wonderful ways that people have supported you and shown up for you in your life. Focus on that. Focus on the people that care about you and love you for who you are. And I encourage you, share some of that support and give some of your love to other people in your lives when they need it most and when it counts the most because you're probably going to feel... 10 times the love and good feelings that come back to you from doing that for other people. Okay, so next week, next Thursday, we will be returning to our regularly scheduled programming and there'll be a regular tarot interview episode next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Take care. <laughs>